know, the, uh, the, uh, psalm that Pastor Louise read is a song, is a psalm of hope and that the Lord is never close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Uh, and a righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. That, that psalm is a song of hope. And yet we also do know that the righteous struggle in this world. Uh, and we don't always see the answers. And that will be a little bit of the message today about not initially seeing unless we have the proper perspective. But the little, the songs of going to have a little talk with Jesus. If, if I'm down, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm not feeling well. A little talk with Jesus. Just focusing our minds on Jesus. Uh, and when we're in prayer, the, the real benefit of prayer is we are reaching out to the one who has eternity in his hands. And we don't always see the answers in the way we may necessarily want to. But when we have that faith, that knowing that, then that little talk with Jesus restores us and reminds us of where we place our hope. And then the song that followed that up farther along uh, tells us that we're going to see that answer farther along. And, and that's our hope. Our eyes are on eternity, not on the moment. Uh, but in the moment, we have a little talk with Jesus when things are going uh, struggling, and we place our hope there. Uh, and uh, it's, it's that, that hope, uh, even though we sometimes don't see it or understand it now, uh, that hope and that promise is, is the foundation. Today's message, I wanted to duck what the lectionary called for. The lectionary has me teaching from the um, uh, parable that Jesus gives in Luke 16, uh, 1 through 13. Uh, and I want you to know, it's a difficult parable. When I first read it, I think, what am I going to do with this? And let me read it uh, in its full so you can maybe understand a little bit uh, where I was coming from. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will come welcome me into their houses. So he called in each of the master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. So that's the parable. And I'm looking at that, and, I'm, and, I, and my, reac my first reaction is, I could understand that giving a break to debtors could be considered a good thing. 
However, the manager was basically giving away something that didn't belong to him. And he was doing it for his own benefit, to gain. Uh, and so as I read that, I thought, is this the passage that allows me to preach about the Robin Hood principle, it's okay to steal from the rich and give to the poor. But that would be mischaracterizing this. Uh, the difficulty is when I'm trying to read this with a world view and understanding it in terms of the world and forgetting that this is a parable. This is a parable and the uh, what we have to look at is the meaning of this parable in the context of the kingdom, not as we would view it from the eyes of the world. In response to his disciples asking about why he used parables, Jesus explained uh, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak in parables. What he's explaining is the parables can only be understood by someone who's got the Holy Spirit and who is viewing them from the eyes of the kingdom of God. They won't be understood by someone who is viewing them with worldly, worldly ideas. Um, and so, and that's where the more we seek and, and have a little talk with Jesus, the more we seek that as our source, the more we will come to understand the teachings of Jesus, the more we will receive the blessings of them. But if we try to view it from a worldly viewpoint, it will be confusing to us. And therefore, when I go back to that my initial reaction was to reject teaching on this parable because it was too difficult, I was uh, taken a little back with myself there at that point uh, on am I not in touch enough uh, with my relationship with God that I am not reaching for uh, that truth of understanding it in the eyes of the kingdom. Fortunately, I was um, uh, basically forced to be teaching this week yeah, ben asked me, uh, and, and, and he asked me, really wanting me to. Uh, I think he would have covered himself if I didn't. But I tend to think of it as a God smack. <laughs> uh, because God says, I don't think you understand this parable. <laughs> Let's make you teach it. Uh, and, and, and therefore, it, it was a real blessing. Um, because... Using parables, Jesus is explaining the way things are viewed in the kingdom of heaven as opposed to the ways of the world. Jesus' parables serve to reveal truth to believers and to conceal truth from non-believers. And I want you to know, I don't really think the goal is to conceal the truth from non-believers. It just is a practical reality that their hearts can't receive the true message because they are not seeking the kingdom. Uh, and so they, they don't understand the concepts of the kingdom, and so it's hidden from them until they come to accept that Jesus is Lord, 
that there is a God who loves us and there is a plan. Until you start to get on board with that, parables can be confusing to the world. And they might misread this. They might say it's okay to take money from an employer if you think they're not good and then you can use it for better purposes. Uh, that you might be, it's okay to steal from an employer. And that is not the message here. It is not okay to steal from your employer. What we have to understand in this is who is the employer, who is the uh, owner of this business. And in the parable, the owner is God. So God is the one who provides. Therein leads the title. Remember, whose money is it? Uh, in, this, in this parable, the man was stealing from God to begin with. But at the end, he's taking the provisions that God has provided and has redeemed by starting to use it for the purposes God wants him to do. And so, although there's bad behavior, if we only view it from the bad behavior, we miss the concept of the real message here, and that is that the way we need to receive anything we have is by understanding where, from whom we received it. Uh, what this is, when the employer discovered the trickery in this case, it was shocking because he commended it. That's where we see the difference between the world, obviously, and uh, uh, the kingdom of heaven. In the world, if an employer discovers that the employee on the way out the door is giving away things and reducing his accounts receivable by uh, giving it away to the customers, an employer is not going to commend the employee. But in the kingdom of God, God's attitude is, that's why I gave it to you. That's why I gave you these blessings, is so you could share them, so you could give them away. Because there's more where that came from if you understand the economy of the kingdom. So that's what makes this difficult to understand if I'm viewing it only with the eyes that this is trying to explain to me how things work in the world and what's okay in the world. Because if I do that, I may take the position that I can steal from my employer and that it's okay and it's blessed by God. And that is not what the message is. It's a parable, and we have to view it from the eyes of the kingdom. Jesus is teaching us how to live in the kingdom. This starts with acknowledging and knowing the source of all things we receive. This is a fundamental key and it is absolutely different from the way of the world. Understanding where our blessings come from is important because it will then lay the foundation for how we use those blessings. The world will teach us we gain by working harder. We gain by striving harder and, and the, those who put in the most effort, those who uh, try the hardest, 
will be able to gain good employment, will get a good job, will make good money, and will be successful. Pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. What the world fails to say is that all blessings come from God. If we look at it from the world viewpoint, we tend to credit ourselves. It creates a pride. It creates a feeling of, I did this. I deserve this. I am entitled to have these things because I achieved them. Hopefully you can see the clear difference. If we look at it with the eyes of the world, everything I just said make a lot of sense. I mean, we teach our kids work hard. We teach them study well in school, uh, do things, uh, get good grades, uh, and this will lead you to um, having a better life. Do we equally teach them that the ability to do well in school the ability uh, to succeed in an occupation, the ability to do all these things is also a blessing from God. Do we put that equal focus to help them know that to always remember that if you've got a skill, and I'm going to be giving a talk on lawyers on this in, in October, if you're blessed with a skill that allows you to obtain an occupation, the blessings of that skill are from God. You working to develop them is what you're supposed to do with the blessings of God. It's not you doing something that entitles you to something. It is a reminder that God blessed me with these abilities. I honor him by doing the best I can with these abilities. When we don't do that, we are dishonoring God. If I'm not using the brain God gives me, if I'm not using the body God gives me, if I am ignoring the paths God lays out for me, then it's a dishonoring to God. It's a, it's a uh, ignoring those blessings. But we take that and we take it as an ownership to allow ourselves to have pride, self-pride. And that, there's a song that um, Tom led us in and that I always love when I hear it. And, and it is um, celebrating a place where religion finally dies. And the next line is, and I lose my selfish pride because Selfish pride really doesn't have a place in the kingdom because pride is focusing on me. And then I'm taking credit for what God has done. Uh, and that's what this parable is about, is, um, is understa understanding who is providing for us, understanding and, and, and getting it in that it, it is all provided for God, by God. And the problem, what problem do we have when we get that out of focus? We again start believing that I am entitled. Uh, I earned this. I, 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 I. And the message I'm giving uh, with regard to lawyers is that also leads to a 
elevation in self-pride, uh, holding myself above something, uh, a lot of people who, who become professionals. I think one of the major problems with doctors and lawyers is that they get too hung up on themselves. Uh, they, they, they feel like I'm a professional. I, I have a doctor in my name or an esquire, and therefore I am somehow better. When in fact, you were just blessed with gifts that you are using, gifts that God gave you that you are using that is blessing you with opportunities. And rather than say, bow down to me or hold me with more reverence, we should be using those blessings in a way to serve God's kingdom. Uh, and, but we turn it around and say, I earned this, so I am entitled to be treated better. I am entitled to more. I am entitled to more because I did this. And when we do that, we may get the rewards of that attitude. But you're getting your reward here now. So don't expect a further reward in, in the kingdom for that. And, and there's a lot of scripture that will back that up. If you want to claim your rewards in this worth, world, then go ahead. Or you could try to seek the rewards in heaven. And that's what we're seeing here in this parable is although why God uses a parable where it looks like an employee is um, all self-interested, he, he's, he's stealing, he's misusing, and then when he realizes what he's been confronted with uh, that he's being caught, he then turns around and maybe does what seems good. And so I struggle with that, but then again, then I think, okay, how's that different than me? How's that different than any of us before we come to accept and understand that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that we have to repent and turn around? And so again, we have to accept this parable from the kingdom view and not try to make it fit within the earthly view, the worldly view. Uh, we have to understand that what this is teaching us is even if we have misused even if we have walked away and we've been taking advantage of every blessing God has given us, there's still time to just turn around. And you will be commended by God. Uh, that's what the parable is telling us. It's a, it says, okay, you've screwed up. Excuse my language. <laughs> I don't know, screwed up, an offensive word. I don't know. Uh, but even if you've been screwing up, Today's the day. Change, turn around, and you will be commended by God. Yeah. God didn't say, okay, yeah, in this parable, God, the employer, didn't say, okay, you're doing a good thing now. Now next thing you got to do is repay me. That's not in the parable, and it's not in God's kingdom. As soon as you want to get back on board, you want to start doing it God's way, he says, all right, get on board. Come on. Repentance is just turning around and saying, I want to be different. And in the kingdom, what that means, repentance is, 
I want to now start seeing all of the good things in my life as blessings from God, and I want to now decide how does God want me to use those? Why is he giving me these blessings? And then look for the opportunities. He's given us abilities, whether it be ability to sing, whether it be ability to talk, whether it be ability to work, whether it, you know, whatever those abilities are, he has given them to us. I think athletes are another one that we have, we've attended to um, put them on a pedestal. Uh, and in fact, what they should be acknowledging is, God gave me this body. God gave me these skills. I can use them to benefit the world through entertainment, through engaging in the sports or whatever. But I should also use everything else flows from that for the blessing of God. Now again, I don't condemn people being wealthy and, and possessing because the reality is ways of the world succeed to make people rich and they can, they can succeed in the world. Also, even people who are following the kingdom of God trying to use the blessings all the way they can for God may keep getting more and more wealth. God may bless them more and more because the scripture it does say uh, those who have done well with a little will be entrusted with more. That is not prosperity preaching, though. We can't, you know, I, I, I personally condemn the give so you can receive. Because, again, I think that's focusing on me wanting to receive. But if you give, you very well may get more. If you are doing good things with the money, God may say, hey, I'm going to bless you a little bit more. And you, won't, you can't outgive God. So you can have a billionaire who is doing everything right. He can have all the possessions in the world, and he's still trying his best to serve the kingdom of God in all ways possible. It's not my position to judge that person. God will judge. It's between them and God. So I don't think you can judge somebody by the mere fact they may be living in a fancy house and you say, well, you shouldn't be living in that fancy house because there's poor people. Well, we don't know what that person's doing. I don't know how much they're giving. I don't know how much they're, they're trying to give everything away and God just keeps pouring blessings back on them. So it's not about judging people by, well, if a person then is doing these things, then maybe, maybe they're not pursuing the kingdom. Uh, that's a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with God on those things. But we have to learn the lessons. And what we have to hope for, and I pray for, is, uh, is those people, who uh, other people, are trying to learn this lesson. And they're trying to pursue God. God's kingdom is personal. God's relationship with you is his relationship with you. And... How he works with you may be totally different than how he works with me. Uh, and so a decision that God may tell me, a, a decision I should make, may not be one he's calling for you. Uh, so I can't make that judgment for you. What I can say is that we need to start with understanding that every blessing I have is because of God and give credit for that. 
And then the next step is trying our hardest to figure out what does God want me to do with that blessing. Uh, and, and that's the step. The first step takes the I did this out of the equation. So the first step should lead us to a humbleness and take away our own selfish pride. That removes so much. I, in my talk to, to lawyers, uh, which I would hope to someday be able to deliver to doctors if they would let me, is if we would remove the selfish pride about I'm something special because I'm a lawyer or I'm something special because I'm a doctor, we might start listening to our patients or our clients as human beings and actually investing time in them. And we, we will do a better job. <laughs> I've said this, I've handled medical malpractice cases and I've talked to doctors and I've said, you know, I'll tell you, if you want to avoid getting sued, care about your patient. Actually let them know you care about them. And most of them will forgive you if you make a mistake. But they get mad because you come in the room, you're there for a minute, and you're out of there. You're, you're on your own agenda. You're not listening to theirs. You're not listening to their concerns. And it's just a job for you. And you're forgetting that they're the patient. And that's the same for a lot of lawyers. I get criticized for spending way too much time talking to my, patient, my clients. Uh, they say that's not a good business model. You know, there's so many things you're talking to them about that you really don't need to talk to them about. And my response always is if I, if I had to cut it shorter, I wouldn't enjoy doing what I'm doing. Huh? Yeah. Except I'm getting out now. <laughs> I'm getting frustrated by, by so many other things. I spent the whole last week teaching eighth graders <laughs> social studies, and stuff, which was a lot of fun. I covered it for my daughter's class. Um, one thing in life is God gives us a lot of skills. We can use them in a lot of different ways. And uh, uh, so I'm trying to inspire them with the love of education. I can tell you, I, I teach the same thing seven or eight times. I, I, you think I should know how many times I teach it during the day, but exact same information to seven or eight different classes. And by the end of the day, I can tell you I'm as excited teaching it as I am at the beginning. And and I tell people that, I tell them that, I said, just because I love learning. And, and I, I learn stuff all the time. I've learned that eight ships that came to Jamestown to uh, resu resupply the place and bring more settlers. Uh, I, I ask everybody, who do you think those new settlers were in those eight ships? And uh, the guess is English. Then they go French or Spanish. And it wouldn't be French or Spanish because they were enemies of the English at the time. But those are more reasonable guesses because the real answer is they were German and Polish. Who would have guessed? <laughs> yeah, but that's who they were, German and Polish. And I hadn't, you know, maybe I learned that at some point, but I wasn't aware of it. But it was exciting for me to learn it. It was exciting for me to share it. Uh, uh, and so I think in some ways God is giving me an opportunity to again use my ability to, to speak uh, and to spend some time with, with these kids. And, and I'm enjoying that. Uh, so the mere fact that you get a gift doesn't always mean it has to go one way or another. The question is, 
are you trying to do something that you think God would want you to be doing? Uh, and that's the goal. And, and that's, but that only comes from understanding whose money is it anyway? Who's, whose skill is it anyway? We tend in this world to say, look what I did. Look at my abilities. Look what I have accomplished. When we need to keep and reverse that and say, look what God did for me, and look what I can do with God. Uh, and how that changes our perspective, how it changes everything we do. If we, ha if we just flip that switch and, and take away the selfish pride and focus upon the blessings of God and, and have that different attitude. It, it, it just changes all ways we do because around us every day, day by day, we get to live in the blessings of God's creation. The, the sunshine, the rain, the, 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 the provisions of food, uh, so many things. But we, like the manager in this, often take the things God gives us and then we use them for our selfish purposes. However, the thing we've got to remember, these things are temporary. Money, possessions, all of those things are temporary. There's a psalm, Psalm 49, 11, and I, I, I like the version from the King James Version, but the psalmist says this, their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names, and that's the world. We, we claim these, and we name, we name our property after the Morris Plantation or, or, or whatever else. Uh, and we stamp it and claim it. But it goes on to say, this is sheer mockery. For as the Bible says of one who lusts after the treasures of earth, when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. So they, they claim all these things. They establish these great things. And it doesn't matter whether you're Bill Gates, whether you're uh, any other billionaire in the world. We're all going to the same place. And all of that you had doesn't carry through to the next kingdom. What you did with it carries through to the next kingdom. And so it does, you, you're not judged by having it one way or the other. The question is, though, what you did with it. Because everything here is going to be gone. It's not what's really owned. We don't own any of these things that we obtain in this world. The one thing we can own is our relationship with God. That's the thing that we can know is going to carry over. Because not even our lives. We don't own our lives. Our days are numbered. Uh, we don't know how many numbers. Uh, and we're not entitled to any particular day of numbers. You know, we get really angry when God takes away somebody early. Uh, first off, I'll tell you, Oftentimes, those decisions are made by the way of the world. Sin in the world, we're in a fallen world. It's not God's intent. Like when I lost my twins, there was no way that God said, 
I'm going to take away Jack's twins to see how he can handle it. Yeah. That's not God. The world, just bad things happen. This is not the kingdom yet. But we can still live as if it's the kingdom now, and we can get the blessings of that relationship with God now. But we can't judge God by just the fact that this world is a mess. Uh, so, But our time, our talents, our resources are all his. And they're, therefore, they're given by his grace, and they're controlled by his providence. And we as Christians, if we've accepted the fact that he is our loving master, then we will, we will have to give an accounting to him about how we use the things he gave us. Did I consider them his, or did I consider them mine? Management of life in God's kingdom goes like this. First, we trust that God wants more for you than you can imagine. So you can't want more than God wants to give you. You can't imagine more blessings than God's ready to give you. The second is, no, all you have is through God's grace. Everything. Nothing is from your own pursuit. Your money, your possessions are not really yours. They belong to God. They are his possessions, and you are just managing them. The question is, how do I manage them? Doing your best means loving and caring for your neighbor. That's what God asks us to do. The greatest parables Jesus said was love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and then love your neighbors as yourself. That gives us the guidance on how we're supposed to manage the blessings God's given us. Remember, you are not called to share your things. You're not called to give away your things. You're supposed to remember they're not your things. <laughs> You're supposed to remember they're God's things. I'm not giving away anything that is mine. I'm giving away what God has provided for me. They are God's things, and I'm called to try to use them and keep that in my mind and use them. It's all God's from the beginning through eternity. You have a choice to focus on what you want now or what you want for eternity. Don't get hung up on your past failures. This moment in time is the time for a new start. And the wonderful thing about our God is he's got open arms. He doesn't say, well, you've, you're, you're beyond salvation. <laughs> That's the point of God. <laughs> is you're, you're not beyond salvation. God says, that's what my son did on the cross. It showed you how far you're not beyond salvation. The principles living according to God's kingdom are built on the solid foundation of the grace of God. The Bible declares we have been selected by the Father because he loves us. We have been saved by the son who died on the cross because of that love. A successful life 
is a matter of exchanging a life you cannot keep for yourself anyway for a life you can't lose. That's the offer. We try to cling to this world and the things of this world, but we're going to lose them no matter what. We're going to lose the things of this world, even if you're a good, strong follower of Jesus Christ. You're still going to lose them. So the question is, do you cling to that, or do you cling to the thing that you can't lose? And that is our eternal relationship with God. We are trading the temporary for the eternal. We're focusing instead of on the moment to the eternal. That is what it means with this parable, is understanding who owns it anyway. So if I'm asked in a moment, if God is leading me an opportunity and it says, should I be given in this moment? And by the way, that doesn't mean everybody who asks of you that you're supposed to give to. But it does mean when everybody asks of you that you're supposed to prayerfully think about it. You know, as I've told you many times, there are times people have walked up to me and I encounter them and I'm in a hurry and I brush it away and I get down the road and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit prompts me and, and says, Oh, you wanted me to spend time with that person. Because even our time is given to us by God. And so how I use my time isn't my own. It is God's. Uh, and so even those moments, now God doesn't remind me of that to beat me up and say you're a rotten person. What he does is he prompts me with that to remind, remind myself that when I face another person like that, if I'm prompted, if, there's, if I see that there's a, something that that person wants to talk to me about, that maybe just giving my time is what's necessary in that moment. And that's the way we're to be thinking. Everything we get is God's, so in each moment, how does God want me to use it? Uh, if you'll join me in a closing prayer, I don't know if we have it up. Do we? I don't often get these in in time to... Uh, do the uh, group prayers. Here's a closing prayer uh, kind of guiding us through that if you would join with me. God of power, justice, and love. 